This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Mom. I should say afternoon in New York, right? Right. It's 1.48 here, so it is afternoon. And we're into the end of November. Let's see, when's Thanksgiving? A few days from now, because it's November 25th. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, like uh, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> so, whoa. Anyway, Thanksgiving's quite a time of year, isn't it? A uh, tough time for a lot of people. It is. And, and, you know, I think sitting around the table, and especially without somebody, your brother, your sister, your child, is really hard because... There's an empty chair, either in reality or metaphorically. I remember the first, was it the first Thanksgiving that Scott wasn't there where we brought the pictures? Mm-hmm. Either the first or the second? I think it was. And we put yeah. pictures in, uh, at the table. Right. Uh, and also, another thing that we've done before, uh, which is really kind of neat, is if you wanted to uh, have some kind of um, a basket or something where people can put uh, fond memories of the person who's not there, and then you can go around and pull one out and um, and read it, and people can talk about it or whatever. So there are different ways to bring them in. If that's too raw for you right now, you might want to have a candle with a picture, too, on the table, don't you think, Heidi? Not on the table, but maybe uh, coming in in the foyer or something. Absolutely. You guys have always put a flower in. Like, sometimes you just got a flower and put it in the foyer, and you wouldn't say anything. But when we saw the flower, we knew. That was what was nice about it. You don't have to talk about it. It's something that's there. Everybody knows it represents Scott or whoever's died, and it doesn't have to be discussed. One thing we've always done in our family, which I love, is that someone will say, let's tell, let's tell a funny story. Let's tell funny stories. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell, sometimes you can tell funny stories about Scott or the person that died, and it, it, it's an easier way to talk about somebody, especially initially. Absolutely. And if you're going to somebody's house for Thanksgiving, uh, sometimes you might ask a family member if they would bring up a toast or bring up your spouse's or your uh, uh, child's name or, you know, whoever it is, your parent uh, who has died and uh, have a toast to them where somebody else recognizes them. Because it's difficult for you if you're going to somebody else's home to bring up their name, but you want to hear their name spoken. The other thing you can do is have a little ceremony before you go to the event. If you, you know, it's important to uh, somehow mention that name, and maybe you just do it in your own heart, or maybe you write something down if you're a writer or whatever. You can come on our Open to Hope site, and you can also uh, log in and write something to us uh, and tell your story. Right, Hyde? Absolutely. Yes, you can definitely go to our site and. And log in or our Facebook page, Open to Hope Foundation on Facebook, and tell your story. Yeah, there's many different places to do it. And I like the idea of getting someone else to do it, to say a toast, Mom, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to do it. Sometimes we can't get through these things. It's too emotional. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, we've got a great guest today, and I think that it's really an important guest during the the holiday season and during Thanksgiving, because she's talking about re-entering situations, and we're basically going to talk about returning to work after loss, but a lot of those things can be carried on to returning to anything after loss, and uh, so I'm really happy to have our guest on today. You want to introduce her, Heidi? Sure. We're going to talk with Barbara Barsky-Carroll, like you said, Mom, about returning to work after loss. And she has written a book called When Trauma Survivors Return to Work, 
understanding emotional recovery. And she actually goes into the workplace and has her own consulting firms and works with people um, after traumatic life experiences. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, in, uh, listening to your uh, comments, and uh, I think it's very, very true what you're saying about the holidays coming. It's uh, apropos to be able to remember and remember that this person's spirit is with all of you. Uh, I like that, and that is so true, that the spirits are with us. Well, talk about traumatic life experiences. Um, not every life experience is traumatic, but uh, some of them are very traumatic, and you find it necessary or uh, important to get involved with uh, firms at that time, right? Right. I, I look at it, um, I characterize the traumatic life experience, and I say that a person returning to work is called the TLE, and it is a single, unexpected, emotional, and physically overwhelming and utterly unwelcome event, like you're losing your son. And uh, how do you get through that? And how do you go back to work? And how does the workplace receive you? Um, I note when I lost my job, I was iced out of the infor- in organization, and it was devastating to me. And there was no literature out there to help me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important to think about, that there are other traumatic experiences like divorce and losing a job and uh, all those traumatic experiences. So um, what about, um, here I am, I remember myself um, going back to work. I worked in the University of Rochester uh, Medical Center, and I was um, psychiatric nursing consultant to the surgical service, and I also taught at the university. And um, I worked with trauma families all the time, and here my son had been killed. And after, because I was on the faculty, after a couple of weeks, I decided to go back to work. And, of course, I was in a psychiatric setting and had a very smart boss who assigned another uh, faculty member to me. And actually, she shepherded me around the hospital and uh, and shepherded me through and. Um, I'm sure I didn't, you know, really function for a while. But one of the things, Barbara, I found was that I had a huge drive to become overly competent. Do you find that with people, professionals, who they've got to go, you know, really get it together pretty early, maybe after a month, when you're really not together? Right, and I think what managers need to be sensitive to, and you were so fortunate that your manager created a safe and secure environment for you, where today uh, many organizations have budget issues and it's the bottom line, and they, not that they consciously want to be insensitive, but happens when they come back, uh, they do not know how to interact with these people. A colleague of mine recently lost her daughter in a terrible automobile accident, and she shared with me after the funeral, when she came back, her colleagues avoided her. They didn't know how to interact with her. They didn't know how to behave. And so she just kind of took everything, and she had to go into therapy. Now, now tell me, uh, I'm going to go back to work. Is there any way, I'm hearing this, is there any way that I can kind of work on maybe getting somebody to help me? Is there any way I can tell my managers, or is there any way you know, that I can let people know? My husband was talking about when he went back to work, we had a friend, Heidi Jim Brown, I didn't even realize this, um, in anticipation for the show, I was discussing with Phil when Scott died, which, you know, was in 1983, so it's been some time, but he reminded me that a friend of ours actually went to work with him, which, you know, he took him to work that first day. 
And, and, and they, they didn't did, even he, work in the same place. Yeah, and he didn't know. The guy lived in Texas and came up to visit. But he was smart enough to go with him. He didn't actually go to work. He went to the office with him and walked around and Phil sat at his desk. And, and they chatted around and Phil introduced him to people. And then they left, which I thought was really amazing. It was really wonderful that that person could do that because, really, you you can create teachable moments, I do believe, for a manager. Uh, and this is what this person did because he knew that this individual needed the support and um, acted as a, as a partner in him in, in helping him readjust because you don't have the energy when you come back to be on full throttle with your assignments. You just don't. Mm-hmm. and. You need to uh, reassess, and you could be staring out the window with your computer, and the boss needs to watch you to to create an environment that you'll feel safe in and that maybe you'll need to go out for a walk or, you know, not push you. And, and I, I think this is so important, really. You know, maybe yes, somebody will have to pick up your book and give it to the manager because it's really a wonderful, a wonderful book to help people. Um, and I, as I said to you on the phone, that I'm going to give this book to my husband's HR people at his firm because I think it's really important um, when trauma survivors return to work. And if even if you're the one out there who is going to be returning, you can learn a lot from reading this book. And maybe, uh, like uh, my husband was lucky enough to do, maybe get a hold of a colleague at work and say, you know, I'm not coming back to work yet, but can you go in with me and can we walk around? Because I think just that first event of walking around is pretty pretty incredible. Well, Heidi, uh, talk to Barbara a little bit about the 9-11 and the firemen families, because I think this is really interesting when an event happens to a huge number of people. Well, I guess that there's a few things to say about it. I've been working with the fire department as a consultant since 9-11. And, I mean, initially... Um, there was a few things. There was a many, many things and many services in place. But, but for, with the, from the fire, you know, fighters' perspective, they had to go down to the site and they had to, you know, recover bodies, et cetera. And they really internalized a lot of what was going on for them because it wasn't really safe to to be too vulnerable and express right. emotion because they had to be the, you know, the first responders. So right. and 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 in the fire department, if you see any kind of weakness, you don't want to. You you have partners. When you go into a fire, and if you see any kind of weakness, you don't want to partner with those kind of guys. So um, that kind of made it a little a little tricky in working with the firefighters. What, what we ended up doing, a lot of people in the fire department has ended up going into the houses, and the therapists would just kind of hang out in the firehouses as more of a friend. And right. eventually, the firefighters would kind of open up to them around around the table, you know, and banter back and forth with them, and it was very very helpful. There were also people, though, that was interesting. This, this was not part of the fire department. There were also oh, so many people, as you know, impacted that were down working in corporate settings it, near the trade center. They could see the site. And what New York did was send a lot of a lot of my friends that were in the therapy, you know, world down into these offices, these corporate offices, and have ongoing weekly groups with the people that were still working downtown. And every day they had to look out their window and view the site which was really, really disturbing for people. So, But I think one of your good points is that, uh, that you made is I think two things to remember. You have introverts and extroverts, and I happen to be an extrovert, and I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about when my father died when I came back to work. Now, my boss took the opposite. She was an introvert, and she would just cry. Uh, she had a very difficult time opening up, and she, if you talk 
she took a leave of absence. But I think the most important thing is to listen. And sometimes mm-hmm. the person that you're talking to will guide you, and uh, they will tell you, in essence, you know, um, you can ask them, could I hug you? Some people are just don't like to share that space with you. Can I give you a hug? And you can leave uh, different sayings on their chair, and, but you can ask them what they want, and they'll tell you. But what not to do is say, call me if you need help, because mm. no one's going to call you. Right. Well, you know, um, right. just turning this around a little bit, I'm kind of fascinated with this idea, because we could go back to work and say we're an extrovert, and, we, and we've had the loss. We lost a parent. We lost a spouse. We want our boss to hug us, and, and they're not going to because they're, they're not in that space. They're not that, you know, they're, they're an introvert. So maybe some of our expectations are going back to work that we have for our community are not going to be met because uh, of this extrovert or introvert. And I, I also believe, um, I don't know what your thought is about, Barbara, but we have to teach people to be good grieving support. Support. And we have to see, we have to assess what our environment's going to be able to do for us. You know, I had one thing happen to me when I returned to the hospital because I worked with a lot of psychiatrists. Um, they wanted to take me in and do a psychiatric assessment. And, and they, would, uh, they would pull me into their office every so often and start asking me questions. I remember one psychiatrist, I could tell he wanted me to cry. You know, this is probably, I don't know, three months later. And uh, I was at work. I didn't want to cry. I couldn't get in that space. And, and I said to him, you know what? Um, I cry, but I cry. He said, or, do, you, do you feel emotional about this? And I'm like, geez. I finally said, you know, I cry, but I cry on my own time. Well, I think, mm-hmm. Dr. Hornsley, you're right, because you feel vulnerable at work, and you, you couldn't afford to show that. And I, I totally agree with you. Your instincts were right there. Yeah, so, so you know, you do have to be people to teach you and whatever. Yeah, and my husband was talking about going back to work. Um, yesterday I said to him, well, now, what do you think, um, what did you want your work? Did you want to talk about it? And he said, no, I didn't. Um, he was the boss. He went in. He had eight people working for him, and he did not want to talk about it. He wanted to totally compartmentalize it and didn't want to deal with it at all. And it was interesting because a year later, he had just started a new business. A year later, he was telling me he woke up and realized he was going to lose his business. And at that point, he had a turning point and woke up. But he really used the term woke up. So even though he didn't want to talk about it, he was kind of sleeping through it, trying to look competent, you know. So with men being doers, it seems, uh, sometimes they probably are not going to go deal with it at work. Is that your thought, Barbara? Or- Yes, they, they, they have difficult time. I, I thought when I had, when I did the research, I found that the men learned an awful lot from their employees. Um, one man said his employee was getting chemo and she came to him and asked for time off and she didn't want anyone to know. So he said he, he was, he was clueless how to handle this, but he learned with her, walking with her, he gave her the time to get the chemo and then she on her own terms then wanted to tell the people, but in, in organizations also, some people, like if there's a death, some people through the computer, they may want the staff to know that they could get sympathy cards. I know one boss did not want anyone to know. I think you need to honor people's privacy and their the way they comport themselves, and they may choose, but I think to ask them, and they'll tell you. Okay, now, um, my husband didn't want to deal with it at work, 
And he and he did obviously, um, you know, kind of sleep through that year. And my question is, how do I know if you, I'm listening to this show now? How do I know if I'm in trouble at work? Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm emotionally in trouble. Well, I think you know if you're uh, lethargic, if you're getting headaches, if you're late, if your uh, mind is distracted, and your energy level definitely your energy level is low. You can't seem to be propelled to do your assignments, and you could do one of two things. Your boss should be monitoring this, if they could, or you could go to your boss and say, listen, I'm having a real hard time right now. If you could just support me for a month while I uh, maybe I'm going to enroll in an exercise class or something, solicit solicit the uh, support of your superiors. Uh, I think sometimes we're fearful of um, asking for help, but seek out your resources in some organizations. They have the employee assistance program. You could do that, but um, you you're, you know yourself. Monitor your your um, your energy level, which to me that that's a clue for me right away. I'm just depleted of energy, and I just I can't seem to you know get get, get any groundswell to do anything. Well, thank you. That's uh, some great ideas. So be proactive. If, 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 if you have some of these signs, take care of yourself and, and go and, and present a plan before they present a plan to you, which is, you know, maybe you ought to take some time off and leave or whatever. Present a plan uh, of ideas of things you're going to do. Well, Barbara, thank you so much. Uh, your book is just wonderful. And uh, When Trauma Survivors Return to Work, Understanding Emotional Recovery, a handbook for managers and coworkers. But I want to tell you, this is a handbook for you too, because you can find out a lot from this book and, and looking into it as far as you're returning to work. Barbara, uh, have you got a website and how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I do have a website, www.carolassociates.com, and uh, they could uh, call me at 202-262-2786, and um, I would welcome uh, individuals to uh, talk with me and uh, email me about their issues, and I would love to dialogue with them. Okay, and uh, what's your email? Uh, bbarsky99 at gmail.com. So it's b. Barsky, B-A-R-S-K-I. 99 at gmail.com. All right. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show. Great information, and we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you so much, and I appreciate um, talking over this very important issue with you. Thanks, Barbara, for helping people return to work after loss. All right. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thanks. Well, Heidi, what an interesting show today. Uh, lots of great ideas about going back to work, aren't they? Oh, yeah, and it's so important because we, we all work, and, and, you know, life doesn't stop because we're working. So she's given us so many good ideas about what to do if you have a loss, and, and all of us will at some point. Right, absolutely. And good luck with everybody on this Thanksgiving, and we hope uh, that you're able to be proactive, too, during this Thanksgiving and take care of yourself. It's important to do. And we know that you have obligations to your families, other kids or whatever that you need to uh, take care of during this holiday. But take care of yourself too, right, Hyde? Absolutely. I think the most important thing to do is take care of yourself first, and then you can take care of others. Listen in again next week to the Open to Hope show by going to our website, opentohope.com. And we have posted a new site at 9 o'clock California time, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Thursday. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. 
Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.